Sisu is an ancient Finnish word for determination and courage in the face of adversity. However, Sisu is also an entire life philosophy and a path to refine one's character. Sisu Lab podcast is where we unearth and explore inner fortitude in its higher expression to become more focused, courageous, loving, and free. Join me, your host, Emilia Elizabeth Lahti, the author of Gentle Power, a revolution in how we think, lead, and succeed, using the art of Finnish Sisu for an inquiry into inner fortitude through a combination of research, short stories, and practice. I began the previous podcast episode with some notes on what Sisu is and how I began the research. I defined Sisu as extraordinary determination in the face of extreme adversity. I also introduced in the last podcast the idea of getting on your own Sisu journey through these podcast episodes by starting to get to know your own Sisu. The trouble, as I've seen, seems to be very often that we simply don't pay attention to most of that is going on in our lives. We get so busy with everything that is happening and the tasks we have to do. And it's what the Buddhists call the monkey mind, which is really our mind jumping here and there and not really being present anywhere, especially not in the now. What this means is that we also might gloss over the moments when we have tapped into our sisu. What the loss here is that every time we overcome and endure, there is a diamond buried in that adversity. There's always something we can learn about ourselves under stress and pressure. Mainly it is for the long term, it is to track that what works and what doesn't work to support us in those times of trials. So I will be repeating this again and again during these episodes that developing Sisu in a constructive way is in its heart really the path of self-inquiry. And it is as the ancient aphorism goes, it is to know thyself, which really means know thy measure. So according to the Greek writer Pausanias, it was the first of the three Delphic maxims inscribed in the temple of Apollo at Delphi. The other two maxims that follow are know thy that follow know thyself were nothing to excess and certainty brings ruin. And maybe we'll tap on those two other ones in some other episode. But the invitation in the last episode was to start from the basics this journey to your sisu. And note down these moments from your life when you in the past had to take action against something that felt nearly impossible or when you overcame something extremely hard. Was it perhaps something life threw your way unexpectedly in the relationship front or maybe it was something health-related or perhaps it had to do something with your work, career or purpose? Or maybe it was an adversity or a challenge that you consciously chose. Maybe you signed up to do something athletic or took on a challenge that you wanted to overcome and you did that consciously. So in any case, if you participated in the little homework from last time to write down the stories of Sisu, 
And if you haven't, you can pause, you can check the previous episode. And as I instructed there to even have a special Sisu notebook or a diary where you start to collect these wisdoms to start building your own little magnum opus when it comes to your inner force and Sisu. So after noting down those moments from your life where you had to tap into Sisu, the next step is to think of each of these experiences in terms of what exactly allowed you to endure and overcome the challenge. So going through all those challenges one at a time and taking a moment to kind of pause and track that what did happen, what created a change? Was there perhaps some specific person who made a difference in your life? Or did you rely on some familiar or some new practice that allowed you to ground, stay focused, and dig deeper into your strength? Or was there perhaps some kind of a surprising new insight that allowed you to keep on going, such as learning to ask and receive help from others? For me, I recently returned back to cold showers in the mornings to support, um, to lower my stress, and more so to prepare myself to meet the stress with less anxiety. And nowadays I'm really generally oriented in understanding what allows me to calm down the nervous system that really is the base of our sense of being relaxed and at peace even when there's a storm around us. So that was an insight that allowed me to start preparing more way for me to endure and respond to stress constructively. So for this task, start to note down everything that worked for you. So, and preferably write it down in this special, special Sisu diary or, uh, you know, be it a physical notebook, which I prefer, or a digital one. Uh, for that, I use day one, which is also nice. Um, so you will have all your tools in one place. So the point is also to gather everything in one place so that it's easily accessible. Maybe it's the first time you're actually starting to create this kind of a manual for yourself for tough times. As you probably have noticed by now is that life pretty much has its own course and that most of what happens outside us, events, people, people's reactions, natural and some human-made occurrences, is not in our control. The one and perhaps only thing that is in our hands is preparation. So preparation refers to what I do or what do you do to preempt challenges or how much effort we put in training for something that we know to be very hard and very demanding. So also just think about your career, for example. How much time you have put in developing certain skills um, or getting good at your job so that you can earn money, progress, and grow. So Sisu too requires practice. And in a way, it is like a muscle. We have to train it to develop it and to grow it. But before jumping into all that practice, uh, which we also will touch upon in this podcast, we need to lay the foundation and we need to do it well. To know what Sisu really means in our lives, 
and where we have tapped into it, and to track and understand what works and what doesn't work for us when things get really hard. So developing CISO is all about, you know it, it is self-inquiry. And then, of course, informed action. I myself did this simple practice that I mentioned above to track my CISO moments and the stories of my CISO before and when I was training to run the length of New Zealand. And it did help me prepare simply to not get trapped by my mind so much. The other day when I was on LinkedIn, I came across a thought by a man named Ryan Todd from Sydney. And I mentioned this also in the February newsletter. It goes, the important thing is not your process. The important thing is your process for improving your process. What this means is to get to know you by tracking your go-to responses and patterns in tough times. So to, again, to increase your self-awareness. When there is a disruption in your life or in relationships, what happens? Do you, for example, tend to withdraw, push people away, and really try to make it on your own? Um, do you become trigger-sensitive under stress, and thus maybe a bit of a nightmare to be around when you're, you're under strain? Do you sometimes shy away from challenges because you've been burned in the past? Um, do you forget self-care in those tough times when you really need it the most? And another thing to focus on is that the cues that come there to help us to know what we need, um, are you able to recognize them? The little cues that ask you to take better care of yourself, to support your mind and body, to remain strong. Because very often when we need it the most, when I need it the most, I have failed to give my body the support. And sometimes we end up abandoning ourselves out in the cold and in the dark when we, should do be, when we should be doing the exact opposite. And then we wonder, why are things so incredibly hard? So one of the most important ways to learn to use our CISO in a wise way is to do the simple work of self-inquiry so that we can detect our behavior patterns that are not conducive to CISO. And then based on that, change what needs to be changed and incorporate new constructive habits. Just like with my ultra running in New Zealand, I didn't simply show up at the start of the, of the run at the south tip of New Zealand's South Island, but I took to take two and a half years to prepare tediously. So not simply trusting that I would just happen to wing it somehow, but I had to really put in effort to, and also not to only develop my strengths, but to know where my weak spots are and to simply prepare for those challenges. So you want to do self-inquiry and in your mind, you want to simulate all kinds of situations that might happen, happen so you're ready when life throws a curveball at you. So again, think of how much time you spend in getting a diploma or education or in your work and Think how important it is that we take that same mindset and the same effort and apply it in growing our skills and capacities to respond to tough times. 
When you really think of it, it is a no-brainer. And we can indeed prepare for crisis through this act of gaining more understanding of ourselves and tracking what works and what doesn't work. So, for example, by tracking my own past stories of Sisu, what has worked for me in tough times has been, uh, number one, repairing myself with rest and making ample sleep a non-negotiable part of my routine. So this was very obvious when I was training for ultra running. And people might sometimes think ultra runners that uh, they're crazy, um, but they do have some practices related to ensuring high performance. And those are some that can and should be directly imported to our daily real life. And one of these things is that ultra runners know that it all starts from the body. And what ends up happening is that they often guard their sleep like maniacs. And this is what happened to me as well. I used to pride myself for being someone who can manage really well for four or five hours. But when I really needed to start doing something tough, where I needed to rely on my body and do very difficult things, the number one thing and the first thing that changed in my life was the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep that I needed. And I started to guard my sleep. And I noticed that I was doing better for it. So ultra runners might have to give up the sleep during a race. But in preparation, we know that we have to repair ourselves with rest um, in the night if we're going to do hard things in the day. In fact, I also read an interesting random piece of research uh, that spoke of people with psychosis. And how when individuals who go through these distortions of reality and really extremely tough times, what often happens and accompanies these experiences is loss of sleep that simply makes everything even worse than it is. So the first thing that is done when such a person is checked in a psychiatric hospital is that they get the person to sleep and rest. So it's a natural way to start replenishing ourselves. So no matter who you are and what you're facing, getting ample rest and prioritizing it, no phones in bed and no screens, you know, some one to two hours before sleep time, and having a good sleep routine and hygiene is one of your most important aids. It really is a foundation to take care of our bodies. The second thing for me was to consciously put in effort in to, av to avoid overthinking. Not asking myself why something happened every single time that something happened that was difficult or confusing. Because asking why, it often leads to endless rumination and it will just go on and on and on, interfering with the sleep as well. But instead, exploring what is one practical thing I can do it right now to make things right and support myself. So bringing the mind from endless thinking and rumination to a simple action that I can take. And that is something so simple that I can actually do it right now. It can be something as small as having a glass of water to hydrate, to bring balance to the body. It could be to pick up the phone and make the call you've been postponing, have the hard conversation. It could be to... Uh, go for a walk or simply take the next, next task on your to-do list. 
Just go one thing at a time. So instead of getting lost in the mind, thinking of what is one action I can do. So to get up, get going. And if you're honestly overextended, that action could be to schedule time for rest and then get going. A third thing that helped me was learning to ask for advice and accepting help from other people. I mean, these are all very basic things, but we all have our patterns and it's easy to get lost um, in the busy rhythm of daily life and especially when our body goes into that fight or fight mode. And we tend to forget these very, very simple things that actually are at our disposal at any time so we can help ourselves. And to really go for people with the proven track record of overcoming hardships and also people who we know genuinely care for us, who have a genuine care for us. So this is really about letting go of the plight of self-reliance at all costs and opening to our community. It really is about opening our heart as well. Because uh, for many of us, men and women, the way how to survive and how we learned maybe this already in childhood has been to be tough, to be extremely hard and to rely on ourselves because we have learned that other people might fail us and it might not be safe to ask for help. So we developed a pattern that in, that in the attachment style theory is called, for example, avoidant. So it has been historically safer for us to turn to ourselves um, and also to not feel like we are burdening others or to risk them not doing the kind of perfect job you'd want them to do and therefore risk the disappointment or slow you down. So this pattern will get us far and may even make you very successful, but only to a point. At some point, we will find ourselves in a lonely spot. And whatever we have is not going to be enough um, to keep us going. Ultimately, everything is interconnected and really the higher octave version of our inner fortitude and sisu as well involves the perhaps a little bit scary journey from self-reliance to experiencing healthy interdependence. Connect to other people. And in a world that pushes us to isolation and loss of connection, I would say it's sometimes even an act of healthy rebellion to have the courage to open our heart to others, to the right people. And the fourth practice I'll mention, just to show you a list of these things that have um, been helpful to me. And again, the encouragement is for you to track your stories of Sisu and then start to notice these things that were a turning point for you and things that helped. So you can write them down. So the fourth practice that I want to mention here is getting back to taking ice cold showers in the morning to move my body to a more comfortable perspective in terms of it being less sensitive to stress. And there are a lot of benefits to cold shower that you can, with a quick search, you can dive into the research for hours. One thing is that cold showers in research have been um, shown to help produce depression and feeling of stress. And there's a study from 1994 um, that studied people who bathed in ice-cold water or took cold showers regularly that helped increase their uric acid levels as well. It increased their glycothion levels. 
So in this process, it helps people to become more tolerant to stress. Uh, on one hand, uh, cold showers are also found to relieve symptoms of depression. Because of the intense amount of shock brought to the body through the cold water on the skin. So it helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system. That is the key here. Because that is the nervous system responsible or what is active when we are in rest and we are experiencing the sense of openness. Uh, and it does it so by first triggering our sympathetic nervous system, which is, the, which is responsible for the fight or flight response under stress. In the future episodes, I will dive more deeper into the functioning of the nervous system. But at this point, I give this as a, a little cue and a hint um, that if this calls to you at all, to dive into the world of your nervous system. It is crucial for us as humans to understand what is under the hood, to understand what is really driving our behavior um, instead of being surprised why things go the way they do. It's in a way, it's quite predictable in some ways. And the way to understand it is to understand how our nervous system works. So the cold exposure uh, as a shower or immersion, it also helps clear our lymphatic system, which is the system that is responsible for removing the body toxins that cause infection and diseases in our bodies. And once... Um, this lymphatic system becomes blocked because of toxins and chemicals in our bodies, it weakens our immune system. So, and therefore we get to get more prone even to simple illnesses such as a common cold. So by taking a cold shower, our lymph vessels initially contract and then they relaxed when they're warmed up again, which enables us to, enables the body to flush out body toxins and improve our health. And there seems to be a similar impact to our mind, that it flushes out the negative thoughts, it flushes out the, the anxiety, and it's almost like a little reset. So that has been something that has helped me a lot. So bringing this episode to an end now, so committing to improve your process for Sisu means that you're not only relying on Sisu to appear randomly here and there, but that you take the effort to consciously make it more systematic and you make it more likely in your lives when you actually need Sisu. And this means that you can really start to rely on your ability to endure and not fall apart when things get rough. As my PhD, former PhD supervisor, Professor Esa Sarinen, who's also mentioned in the book A Gentle Power, uh, he speaks of systems intelligence, uh, and I refer to this in the book, but he also often says in his lectures that there is so much more to us than what meets the eye, and there truly is. And it is in those times of stress and adversity when that something in us, the sisu, makes an appearance. So get to know your sisu by noticing where you have tapped into it, and what has worked in your favor in those extremely strenuous times. And after that, you can start to craft your own sadhana, as I described in the Gentle Bar book, which, by the way, is now out uh, in your local bookstores in the US, and you can get it through online bookstores. It's also in audio that I read uh, myself. 
And the sadhana is a Sanskrit word, uh, which I'm borrowing from my time that I lived in India. Uh, that's when this word came to my life. In this case, sadhana refers to your own daily practice to get intimate with the very strength upon which everything in your, in your life ultimately depends on, which is your own life force, that is your sisu. So these were the thoughts and the shares for this episode. I hope you had a nice time. Thanks for listening. I view this podcast as a kind of my spoken diary, and I really hope this episode was useful and inspiring. So until next time, get those Sisu diaries out and enjoy the process of getting intimate with your own life force, with your Sisu. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to walk the way of gentle power with you. If you like the show, please subscribe and perhaps tell a friend. For more information, you can visit sisulab.com.